Oh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to a very sombre edition of Tuesday Night Live. Uh, it's a Tuesday Night Live weekend wrap. Well done, Pete. Jesus. Um, brought to you by Crowcast, of course. Um, a very, very sad and sorry state of affairs. Um, the Crows at the moment, I don't know how we're going to actually find any positives, Nikki, but I'm determined that we're going to find positives because we just can't, we just can't continue to do that. No, that was just horrendous. I knew it was going to be bad, but... Oh, it was just, it was horrific. Like, it was horrific. There was, there was nothing, like, from almost the first bounce, it was just a, it was just a procession. It was unbelievable. I haven't seen the Crows play like that for a very long time. No, I mean, I kind of knew we were heading back towards the Robert Shaw era. This has gone past the Robert Shaw era. Oh, not no doubt, no doubt. It, it well, uh, well. See, the Robert Shaw era was all about coaching. I don't think this is all about coaching. I think this is all about our playing list, um, and we're reaping what we sow at the moment. Uh, what we've sown uh, in the last two or three years with our list management, um, and we're just seeing what happens when you put together a list based on name and reputation and potential instead of people that are actually willing to work hard and uh, put the nose to the grindstone and, you know, wear the jumper with pride. And uh, all, all those qualities were sadly lacking. It was terrible. Terrible. Of course, good yeah. evening to everyone on uh, on YouTube and Facebook joining us tonight. Uh, we have a few people joining us on those platforms, also one or two on Twitch, which is fantastic. Uh, don't forget, if you want to uh, chat along with us uh, on the cast, uh, we have our Discord channel open. Um, if you're not a Discord user, you can uh, access our Discord chat by going to aflcrowcast.com, um, going to the live chat page, and then uh, just follow your nose there. There's a chat box there. You can just uh, hook in and away you go. Uh, but uh, g'day to the few hardened souls... Uh, Kempi, Matty J, uh, a few others, uh, hardened souls who've joined us uh, for the weekend wrap. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to get through it, but we'll get through it together. Part of the um, <laughs> parting, part of the grief cycle is is you know coming together. It takes a village, I think, Nikki, to get through something like this. So we'll have to pull the village together tonight. Um, look, before we get into everything else, however, let's just. Uh, see what I'm doing here. Let's have a look at the other uh, results for the round. Interesting week of results, I think. Um, yeah. Hawthorne, Hawthorne belting Richmond. Uh, Richmond, I don't know, uh, hard week at the beginning of the, uh, all, all throughout the uh, the break was saying how great they were, but uh, they're struggling a little bit. Well, they looked incredibly, incredibly Rusty the week before. Yep. And I'm like, they can't even kick. Um, and I think they're on par with our skill level. <laughs> That's how bad Richmond are going. And, and seriously, Martin did not look good last week. And you take him out of this, that side and this is what happens. Yeah. So they've kind of been lauding about how great Richmond are as an overall team. Mm. 
I think they are like so many other teams. They are reliant on those excellent stars to help lift the others. When oh, they're not no there, doubt. that lifting just can't happen. Yeah, there's no no doubt. I, look, I mean, I think Richmond do have a good uh, overall team balance, um, but by the same token, you take any stars out of any team and, and they're going to struggle. And I don't yep. think... I think Richmond uh, the previous week uh, relied on their usual chaotic style without really, well, I would say, look cohesive. And and Hawthorne looked far more disciplined um, against them uh, the other day. So anyway, uh, the Bulldogs giving us our rightful place by getting up over GWS. Um, <laughs> far better performance. Is Scotty McLaughlin happy? Yeah, well, far better performance by Bulldogs. GWS would have been a little bit disappointed, but uh, 8957 to 4933, so 24 points there to the Bullies, getting them off the bottom of the ladder. Um, Sydney and North was a good game. Sydney 10-11-71 to North 8-12-60. Again, it looked like um, North might sneak back into it, but Sydney snuck, uh, shut the door um, after... a being the dominant team, really, for three quarters. Did you see any of that game, Nick? No, but I did see the ins that Sydney had from the previous week. Yeah. And they def- and they, and that just, as we were just talking about, that just made that little bit of a difference. So I think North aren't too bad. No, they're um, a middle-of-the-road team. So I, I don't they're think they're anything fantastic. Yeah, they're middle-of-the-road team. Middle-of-the-road team. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll win a few, they'll lose a few. Um, they, they lack a bit. Uh, of class, I think, um, but they're a good working team. Um, Collingwood um, getting up over St Kilda. St Kilda would be a little bit disappointed, I think, with their performance. Um, Collingwood twelve nine eighty one to Saints five seven thirty seven, so forty four points. Pretty comprehensive in a shortened game, forty four points. Um, and Collingwood uh, looked pretty good with uh, the young lad back up forward. What's his name? Jaden Stevenson. Yeah, Stevenson back in. Um, I. Yeah. I actually thought that Collingwood tired the previous week against Richmond, and if they hadn't tired, they would have won that game easily. Um, so I think they had that nice little hit out. And the Saints, as much as I've, I like the way they play, I like what they've really done with their list, they're still that up and down, unfortunately, that we're going to get for a little while. Yeah. Um and you might have seen me typing just then, uh, guys. Uh, someone just asked me where Macca was. Poor old Macca. We need a moment silence for Macca because he is currently uh, uh, in the middle of a family engagement with uh, family members who are Port supporters. So you could just imagine what Macca's going through at the moment. Uh, I've already had to play the last post for a um, computer at work that that finally got released into the wild. <laughs> Do we need to play the last post for Macca? Well, we. <laughs> well, his computer might. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Bad luck, Becca. If you're listening, mate, we're we're uh, we're feeling your pain. Uh, Brisbane getting up over West Coast. Brisbane looking pretty good at the moment. West Coast only just going uh, thirty point losers to Brisbane, ten fourteen seventy four to six goals eight forty four. That's twenty four scoring shots to fourteen. So comprehensive victory to Brisbane. They're look, looking pretty good. Yeah, and West Coast are not happy about being up in the hub. No, no but you know what? I I think I don't. I think that's giving their players an out, you know. I think it is too. I mean, they're there, they're settled, they've got good accommodation, they've got all the facilities they need. Um, yes, it's not a home ground, but by the same token, there's no real crowd atmosphere or anything like that. West Coast are, are a good team, they're mature. 
I think um, the West Coast organisation are giving their players an out at the moment and they need a bit of a kick up the backside, I think. Um, and the Carlton-Geelong game was pretty entertaining. Carlton 12-7-79, just hanging on with Geelong coming home with a wet sail, 11-11-77. Uh, a a uh, expat crow uh, making a nice little saving tackle towards the end there. Um, and uh, saving Colton from what would have been a disappointing defeat. But uh, they hung in and won by two points down at uh, Alphabet Stadium, which isn't a bad um, isn't a bad result for Colton. Yeah. That should be a bloody good result down there, yeah. what we were talking about last week. It's a bloody hard ground to win at. Yeah, absolutely. But it's um, very interesting that there was a serve from Clarkson the week before that actually said Geelong aren't that good. Yeah, well, that's right. Um you know, uh, but I think we've been saying that about Geelong now for the last three or four years, and I think they've plugged a few gaps and kept themselves relevant. Yes. But really, I mean, they're not fantastic. Uh, g'day to Jay Mac and Vardy, who uh, were later rivals, um, bit tardy, um, but we'll let you off, guys. So um, <laughs> welcome to the chat. That was still crying. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, so we get to the table and uh, we see Collingwood on top with... Uh, Two wins from three games. Uh, the power. What's going on with the power at the moment? Uh, I haven't seen the the score in the last yet. five minutes. Hasn't it started? You sure it hasn't started yet? It's a seven forty game, I think. Oh, is it? They um, pushed it back. I thought they might have brought it up because of the other one. Back. Yeah. Okay. Um. And it, never mind. Um. So yeah, uh, the bombers, and we'll talk about the bombs in a second. Uh. Yeah. Two from two, Lions two from three, Kangaroos two from three, Swans two from three, Hawks two from three, uh, and then the best of the rest in the eight is the Tigers um, with a draw. And then uh, outside the eight, we've got the Cats, the Suns, sneaking up there, Nikki, as we predicted, sneaking up there. Yep. Uh, the Saints, the Giants, the Blues, the Demons, the Eagles, the Bulldogs, and pending a couple of results, the Dockers and... Adelaide. Now, I think it is the first time, correct me if I'm wrong, the first time since round four, 2004, that we've been on the bottom. How's that? Wouldn't have a clue, but you're probably right. Round four, 2004, I am pretty sure. I'm sure someone in the chat will verify that for me, Vardy Magic. Thank you. Do, do uh, I just need to call you Bruce? <laughs> but, you know, it's. Um, I don't think anyone could have foreseen exactly how badly... Um, we lost, um, and how badly we would play. We were an absolute rattle, rabble. Sorry, Gold Coast getting up twelve ten eighty two to Adelaide four goals five twenty nine, and even that score really flattered us because for a while there it was looking like we might actually um, record our lowest ever score, which was three goals four in uh, Craigie's last game. Oh God, there's some horrible memories. Yeah, so uh, we managed to uh, sneak a few in towards the end there and uh, and make it, I wouldn't say respectable, but at least, uh, you know, knock off a couple of milestones. So 53 points at the Gold Coast. There is no doubt, Nikki, that Gold Coast entered that game with a sniff of blood. Um, oh, they, they were, were up and about. They should have been the Sharks. <laughs> they were that were the Gold Coast Sharks. Yeah. They they sniffed that little bit of blood in the water and went in for the kill. Yep, and you know, and good good on them. Good coaching, and it shows a uh, a good mindset by Gold Coast, a young team that 
they could see a, a mature, you know a, an opposition that they'd never beaten before. Um, the only team that they hadn't beaten before, they saw an opportunity to knock that monkey off their back, and boy, did they absolutely slaughter us in the first quarter. Absolutely slaughtered us. I think, what did we have, three inside 50s for the quarter or something like that? And that was towards the end. Yeah. And it all started, we won the toss, and why did Sloan kick that way, where we're kicking into the sun? It was stupid. We should have kicked the other way. I I get that, Nick, but I don't think it would have made one scrap of difference because the sun didn't stop Brad Crouch, Rory Sloan, Matt Crouch, and all those blokes getting their hands on the agate. We were something like 12 clearances to zip. What was it? I'll get to stats in a minute. But the clearance numbers in the first quarter um, were horrific. The contested ball numbers in the first quarter were horrific. Um, They absolutely blanketed us from the first bounce when Ryan Willits uh, went in. uh, Sorry, Willits. Wits went into uh, Riley O'Brien at the first bounce and absolutely smashed him. They showed their intent and they didn't let up all day. Jared Witt, sorry, yep. that was. Oh, they they knew he was he was the one from last week that they had to try and nullify, and they very much you could see they very much went after Rob, um, to hold him down. I, I think there was some umpiring boo boos about that, but um, no, I don't know. You're right. There was a very very obvious coaching. Um, plans put in place and the Gold Coast players are willing to stick to those plans and actually adhere to those plans and we have players that just go, huh? Well, let's have a look at, let's have a look at some stats, uh, Nikki. and I've managed to actually get my shit together even though it was ended up being a later game than I expected um, and put some uh, stats together, so um, uh, some little graphs together, my favourite little toy. Um so let's have a look here. Let's start with contested possession, shall we? Contested possession. We were minus 15 in contested ball about 10 minutes into the first quarter. I mean, the minus 15 in contested ball after ha- yeah. after putting in a woeful performance the week before against Port Adelaide. And obviously the team was given a mandate to redeem themselves. There were minimum changes. There was just one fourth change with Miller coming out and um, uh, young Hamill coming in for his first game. Um, So the senior players and the team in general were given a mandate to redeem themselves after that loss to Port Adelaide. And all they could come up with was by 15 minutes in the first quarter, they were almost 20 contested possessions down if we have a look at clearances um, we were minus 11 clearances I mean they're just shocking numbers for a team that is coming out to redeem themselves how do you explain that lack of desire pure and simple is it is it lack of desire I think for some of the players, yes. There's a couple of young ones that you could see were still trying their guts out. But what we saw last week was there was a lack of that two-way running 
Oh, there was that lack of covering the space, and there was, and they just what they were flat footed. Yeah, they're being reactive, and to me, when you go into that shell and you're reactive, you're tired. You don't really want to be there. That's when that happens. Yeah, look, they're very reactive. There's no doubt about that. Um, That. You know, I, I did see a few different combinations up forward. Uh, sorry, in the middle. Um, I think he did yeah. try to move, uh, switch it around a little bit. I think he actually, I think the first bounce, did we actually even have a crouch in at the first centre bounce? I'm not sure that we did. No. I have a feeling it was, and I was Sloan, pleased with that. Seedsman, and it, was it Chase? Yep, in Chase that? Jones was, no, Chase Jones was on the wing. Yeah. Laird was actually on the other wing. It might have been Keys. Yeah, but, I reckon. But I don't reckon no, we had a crouch in the in the first centre contest. But be that as it may, it still didn't look. See, it still didn't look like we had the balance right. It might actually it might have been Smithers. Um, you know, I think we need we needed one crouch in there. The the argument is don't have both of them in there, but to have neither of them in there, I think just. I don't not that I think it would have made any difference, but I think it actually looked at, it made us look a little bit uh, weak inside the contest um, for the first five minutes until one of those got into the rotation. Not that it made a hell of a lot of difference. So, so I don't think it. I, I just think we literally are not good enough at the moment, Nick. Our no. senior players are literally not good enough anymore. And yeah, and that's the cliff. They've just all the lemmings. They've all gone over it together. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't get their hands on the ball. They continued. And they did. It was fumbles? Yeah. Well, they. Well, not only is it fumbles, but when they do actually get the ball in defence, there's no creativity. There's no run. I haven't seen us actually in the corridor for like six months. I think they've forgotten that there's actually yeah. a bit of, bit of the ground in the middle that they're allowed to use. Um, because unless your name's Will Hamill. Well, yes, but, I mean, we're talking in general at the moment. It just seems to me that there is a lack of urgency to make space, a lack of urgency to move the ball quickly, and a, a huge lack of confidence. They, they are devoid of confidence. But the thing when you're playing with a lack of confidence is you've got to make your own luck. And I didn't see any of those guys try to make their own luck, try to be adventurous. You know, young Hamill, you mentioned, was very good, uh, tried to move the play on. Um, but aside from that, out of our defence, there was just no aggressive movement of the ball whatsoever. There was no imagination. There was no effort to run to space to create options. It was just... And the commentary remarked on it during the game, you know, just same old, same old, straight down the ground, straight down the boundary, straight down the line. Did there that, was no diagonal. same spot. You know, it was just, it was so predictable. It was, it was embarrassing. It, it was embarrassing. If I was those players walking, I mean, I would have been pretty annoyed after the Port game, but I would have been dead set embarrassed after the Gold Coast game. And that's not taking any away from Gold Coast, but we were horrible. Mm hmm. And, and that's the weekend wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Short, sharp, and tarnished. It's not You're shiny, right. it's very tarnished. I mean, look, I, it's hard to find. Any, like, if we run through the uh, the um, uh, stats, and I'm trying to do it off the bloody 
photograph here. We've got actually towed up in disposals. I mean, I think it was minus, what was it last week? Minus 100 and something versus Port. Well, we were minus 70 again against um, against Gold Coast. Um, we were minus 32 in marks. You know, we're... Hang on. Get it together. <laughs> we were shit. <laughs> in in <laughs> tackles. Fun. Yeah, in tackles we were... What's that? Min- almost minus 20 in tackle, tackles. Um, you know, I, I, Riley O'Brien didn't have the same influence um, this week that he did last. Although he did no, end up winning the, tr- well, he won, he ended up winning the uh, hitout count. Uh, but yeah, around the ground but he was still weird. tried. Well, he did try. He tried. Yeah, and that's what we love from Rob. I mean, that that bit in the first quarter where he, I think, um, was it? He, he got outmarked or whatever, but and. And he's ended up on the ground, but he's come back up. He, he, you know, has actually come straight back up again and managed to actually get a smother. But um, they still managed to get it forward. Mm. It was just one of those games that would do something that actually seemed to be slightly positive and then the ball would just end up in their hands again. It's like, oh, great. Here we go. Minus 26 in inside 50s, Nikki. Oh. Minus 26. Yeah, you're never. You're never ever going to be in a game when it's like that. No, of course you're not. Of course you're not. It's it's you're not you're not competitive when you when you're throwing up those sort of numbers. Um, you know, minus fourteen or so in clearances for the game. And you know, and, and really we held our own after quarter time, we probably held our own with regards to clearances until towards the end. Um, but it was that first quarter that, that Gold Coast just set the set the scene um, for such a dominant display, um, and really our, our boys just didn't recover. You know, it, it, we no. never actually got ourselves back into the game, and I, I'm very, I'm going to be very interested to see how Matthew Nix handles this because those players are shot basically. Absolutely shot. Um, and there needs to be changes now. He said he didn't make the changes just to see, you know, give them a chance to redeem. Mm. Well, and we actually got a positive with Atkins. Um, that sling tackle was very oh, interesting now, from Ellis. No, no, let's, let's not wish injuries on people, but uh, it does no, create an opportunity. No, I don't wish injuries, but it was like we actually do think he's part of the problem. Absolutely. So we, yeah, absolutely. He had to be – so he's off the ground – so we're actually seeing what our team and what that kind of mix is going to look like without him in there. Because even though they, they put talk about putting him into the midfield because we need speed, he's not fast. He's actually still a slow player. Oh, yeah. And quite honestly, I think this was a good thing up against Gold Coast because what they've done is they actually have players that have speed. And any time we try to create space, they're with us because they're faster. Yeah. Um, and so it goes back to that list management of yeah, we've picked up these players. They're not they're not quick, quick, you know, but they're okay. Well, every other team's got okay players, but they've also got quick, quick players. Can we have some quick, quick players, please? I think above any other stat, the one that I've got up at the moment 
Nicky is the one that really tells a bit of a tale. So we lost inside 50 count by whatever I said before. And yet... 26. And yet Gold Coast won the tackles inside 50 count by 10. By 10. Yeah. So we hardly had it up forward. And yet Gold Coast defeated us in a key inside 50 stat by t- by 10. Not even, It wasn't even close. Now, how does that happen? You know, I just don't understand it. I, I don't understand how you, how you can rock up and be so insipid at a, at, at a game that really should have been a 50-50. It should have been a 50-50 game. Anyway, let's run through some individuals, Nick. Um, and we had the usual suspects picking up possessions that didn't mean anything. Rory Laird had 25 of the most meaningless possessions you'd ever wish to see. Um, mm-hmm. Brad Crouch. Brad Crouch has, and I know he copped a knock in the eye and that was pretty nasty, but even before then, nine kicks, 13 handballs. Um, he laid six tackles. He got, um, what do you get, five clearances. Um, did all right uh, by the stats. But has he ever actually used the ball effectively in the whole time that he's been with the Adelaide Football Club? I think there was once, which is a highlight reel from the first season. Well, he had the ball that many times. What was his metres gained? 202. 202 metres gained from 25 posies. Matty Crouch, 19 posies, 185 metres. Matty Crouch is actually in the worst form of his career at the moment. Yeah. Like, I was watching them intently, and unfortunately this week I didn't have time because of the late game to actually put any videos together. But people, if if they can if they can put themselves through it, go back and watch our centre work. And it reflected exactly what we were saying last week, Nicky, that the Gold Coast boys and Huey Greenwood in particular, are, and yep. that young Matt Rao, who's going to Rao. be an absolute star. Um, oh, he should have been ours. You know, they put quick steps in to clear themselves Matt Crouch Matt Crouch hasn't put a quick step in all season and probably for the last two he doesn't know he does his first instinct is not to get clear his first instinct is to dispose of the ball and I think Brad and Matt both share that um trait they're not looking to get clear they're looking to dispose and in doing so their disposal is a bog average yeah, and often it's backwards or it's that little handball over their blind handball over their head. Yeah, to each other. Um, yeah. I saw Brad Crouch give three or four... It. Sorry. I, I saw Brad Crouch give three or four disposals, and Matt did a couple as well, that were completely... Um, they weren't team-oriented and, and they were completely no. self-serving, and I'll tell you why. Because they'd run out of options and they didn't want to get caught, so they just gave it to anyone, you know. And the amount of times that Brad and Matt put other players under the pump just because they don't want to be caught with the ball, it, it actually it blows my mind. When you actually sit and watch them work, they are the most selfish, arrogant, ego-minded footballers going around because they don't actually create any team play. All they're interested in doing is getting it and giving it, getting it and giving it. Getting stats numbers. And the interesting thing to me is if you contrast that with a player like Talia who will strategically give away a free kick 
if he can't dispose of it to our advantage and he knows that if he does that little quick handball, it's going to go to them, which means it's going to come quick into the defensive zone. Yeah. He will hold on to that ball and he will give away the free kick so he can set it up. Whereas Brad and Matt just want to get rid of it. Yeah. And often what they're doing is they're getting rid of it to a fast break midfield and our poor defense is just like, yeah, thanks, guys. That's yeah. helpful. Yeah. Now, I want to draw attention to this <laughs> because it's dead set Uh-oh. funny. Dead set funny. I, we'll keep talking about... Um, Keep talking about the stats while I just give this a little, a quick little screenshot uh, so that I can get it up on the screen. Um, but uh, Huey Greenwood's had a dip at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's had a dip, and it's pretty funny. Let me let me see if I can get it up on the screen. But he's like, you know, uh, Rue's come out and had a bit of a uh, bit of a crack when Rue was going through his justifications for getting rid of players. And uh, Huey's come back quite nicely. Uh, let me have a look here. Can I get it up on screen? Let me get it up on screen. For the people watching at home. Huey's uh, <laughs> come back and said, "Has uh, Channel 7 came up and said, H. Greenwood has only one less clearance than the entire Adelaide team. And uh, Huey's come back with, if only I was younger and quicker. <laughs> Only I was younger and quicker, and I tell you what, that sums it up. Because, and if Macca was here, I'm sure he'd agree, Nick. Because what we've done is we've gotten rid of good, solid players in their prime to hang on to players based on reputation. So Hugh Greenwood, Jared Lyons, uh, Cameron Ellis Yeoman have all gone. Now, Hugh and Cameron both inside players, right? Yes. Uh, Jared, a bit more inside out. But we've kept two inside players in Brad and Matt Crouch. Now, right now, who would you prefer? You know I prefer Greenwood and Ellis Yolman over the Crouches, and I always have. Yep. Yep. We could have saved ourselves so much, so much uh, in cap space if we had actually made solid decisions rather than just going by name and just justifying high draft picks, if we had actually done what we needed to do and assessed uh, a performance correctly, then we would have been in a much better position than what we are now. And there's actually a follow-on to what Greenwood said uh, with Rashudo kind of had a bit of a serve back where he said, um, if you're quicker and younger, you might have got more than 10 touches. Hugh's response, I think, is very, very pointed. Yeah. Um, someone at the Crow is more concerned about disposals than actual impact of the game. Who would have thought? Yeah. And to me, that's the Crouchers. The Crouchers are only concerned about them getting 30 touches. Yep. And look, I've, I've got a big problem with this. I've got no problems with Twitter banter and all the rest of it. No problems yeah. with it whatsoever, right? But what is Mark Rusciuto doing responding to Hugh Greenwood after Hugh Greenwood's team has absolutely flogged us? What is Mark Rusciuto doing responding to that on Twitter? Once again, it's that little mirror. He can only see his own reflection. 
It's the most immature thing I have ever seen from someone on a board. Can you imagine a board member at any other team responding to a tweet from another player from a team that you've just been belted by? Can you Can you even... Even if you're tagged in, you don't do it. It doesn't make any difference. Like, Mark Rusciuto's got to be better than that. And he shouldn't even be... Like, this is 32 minutes ago. What the hell is he on Twitter for? They should be sitting down working out what the hell has gone wrong with our club. And look, I'm not being a, a hard ass here. I, I'm all for a bit of ban- pardon me. I'm all for a bit of banter, but at the moment, there's no room for that with Adelaide. There's no room for that with our club, because we are the yep. lowest of the low ebb. As I said, the first time we've been bottom since round four, two thousand and four. Right, and our and our key board member and our football director is on Twitter responding to a bit of a jab from a bloke that he's given a jab to the previous week. So Huey had every right just to be a little bit um, cute about it. What the hell is Rashudo doing responding to that? Mark Rashudo should hand in his bloody resignation for doing that. He should be censured. There's absolutely no reason that Rashudo should have been doing that. I think it's disgusting. And it just it shows you how reactive and how out of their depth senior people at the Adelaide Crows are at the moment. I I can't believe that. I can't believe that Mark Rashido did that. Yeah, it's completely and utterly not on. Um and I, basically. Look, I'm actually blown away by it. I'm blown away by it, Nick. I've never, ever seen anyone from our club be like that. I've never seen anyone be like that. Mark Rusciuto, two weeks in a row now, has made himself look like an absolute entitled fool. Right? An absolute entitled fool. And this is the bloke that is supposedly going to steer us out of the wilderness. This is the bloke that's in charge of our entire football program. And he'll come on radio on Monday and he'll defend himself by saying, oh, you know, it was just a bit of fun, you know, we're better than that, we're still mates and yada, yada, yada. Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. I bet you none of the sponsors want to hear that. What the sponsors want to hear and what the what the members that pledged all that money want to hear is how the club is actually going to get its ass off the bottom of the ladder and actually get some decent football back into this into this club. Not having little pot shots at past players on on bloody Twitter. It's ridiculous. Anyway, I mean he yeah, I'd- the football department is a shambles and it's a shambles from what he did. And quite honestly, he's put us in this position. He's the ultimate responsibility for those list management issues. He's the ultimate responsibility for bringing in people into our club that we've had to do excess payments to get rid of. He's the ultimate responsibility that the best coaches – that were in our coach's box are now gone. 
he's that responsibility. He needs to get off the fucking radio and actually do his job and put some pride back in to that football department and actually give some support to Nick's. Absolutely. And actually and sit him down and go, you know what? If we're going to get these performances, get rid of those senior players. Yeah. But his company, his radio company, pays those senior players to be on every week. Yeah. Too bad. Get them out. The the time for being cute and being, you know, a big man in town is gone. He's got to roll up his bloody sleeves and he's actually got got to actually earn his spot. Right, because in the last let let's go back in the last twelve months, he's been responsible for backing Brett Burton, who arguably killed the careers of a couple of players through bad injury management, and then yes. almost killed the club by making stupid decisions when he was promoted to general manager, footy ops. Right, Mark Rashudo was the one that backed his mate Brett Burton in for those roles. Mark Rashido was then the one that said if people don't like what's going on, they can go and support another club, you know, before public opinion and the weight of public opinion was so great through our platform and through social media and other platforms that they had no no um, choice but to do a, a review. And then they had the arrogance to not actually shine the torch on themselves but redirect it to the footy footy operations now did mark rusciuto as the head of football operations did he get reviewed nikki i think he was able to say things but he didn't get reviewed he didn't get reviewed he did not get reviewed so he is the board level director of football operations and yet the mandate for dunstall and pavlik which was to review the footy operations didn't include the bloke that is actually in charge of it at board level. Does that make any sense? I mean, let's forget about the fact that the review should have looked at the executive anyway. But how does the director of football operations escape review from the review of the football operations? How does that actually work? How does he absolve himself of that? That's just blind arrogance, surely. Yeah, that he can do whatever he damn well likes because, you know, if we he's don't like Mark it, Rashido. we go support another club. And yeah, we can I'm sorry, Mark, but fuck off. The club is bigger than you. Well, the club is obvious- actually us, not him. Well, obviously, Nikki, that's the attitude that's been projected to the players as well because that shows up in in Mark's comments last week about players leaving and, you know, we're happy to see them go and we're very glad to see them go and blah, blah, blah. You know, that shows in in his comments to Huey Greenwood on, on Twitter, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I don't think Huey would mind saying me saying this because it was on a public platform. But when Bungie came out a couple of weeks ago and had a dip at the club, I wrote a tweet about uh, how the club needed to shut up, shut up and listen, which was well supported by a lot of Crows people. It was also supported by Hugh Greenwood. The time for the club to duck and weave and hide is over because not only is it just the pesky agitators that that Triggy used to, to, uh, to refer to us as, it's now past players. Past players have now are now so anti the Crows that they are willing to step out in public 
and support people talking against the crows. I mean, what has I wonder what poor old Bill Sanders is thinking. I wonder what poor old Bobby Hammond was thinking before he passed away. They must Uh, be beside themselves. Because they gave absolutely everything for the club and yet they were always the first amongst the supporters. They actually knew and they would come down and they always talked with the supporters. You actually saw board members after the shed and they weren't off to the side. They were out and about. Yeah, they were front and centre. And it slowly changed. Yep, and it's gotten more corporate. It's business people who just want to hang around with other business people and get their little cachet of this is, um, you know, I'm doing this. No, actually get some people who are involved in sport or, and you know, have been on proper sporting boards and they're not business people. Actually get them in that space. Well, I've I've heard that um, Chapman's grooming Jim McDowell for the chair, right? Have you ever heard Jim McDowell speak? No. About the Crows? Have you ever seen him have anything public to say or do about the Crows? He just bloody rocks up to a board meeting and, and they sit there with their bloody, you know, their their lattes and they, they enjoy the fact that they're on the board of the biggest ticket in town. I've never it's I've never heard be, of these people. It's not going to be the biggest ticket. It's not going to be the biggest ticket in town. You know, and I, I know that we've strayed away from stats tonight and we're talking about the bigger picture. But, I mean, we can we can keep going on with stats in a minute. But I, that... That little Twitter exchange with Mark Rusciuto and Hugh Greenwood and Cam Ellis Yeoman joined in as well with a little snide um, uh, gif as well. Um, that really just, like, it, it just really annoyed me. Um, someone's come up with, like, an uh, CY's put in a, a tennis gif. Uh, someone's commented, Betts is so good, and uh, Ellis Yeoman's come back with, without a doubt. I mean... These are people that are obviously very disaffected by what occurred to them at the club. Yeah. And, you know, Rue can turn around and say it was money or this or that or the other, but I can tell you right now that those boys would still be at the club and still playing with heart and soul for the club if the club bloody treated them right. It doesn't matter what Mark Rusciuto says. I don't actually trust anything that yeah. Mark says anymore. Well, when he's talking about Cam... Cam was on an absolute bloody pittance at Adelaide. Yeah, because they and took advantage of him. Yes, absolutely took advantage of him. And then, of course, Noble knew about that and he knew that he's good and he knew that he's great depth for Brisbane, um, even though they've got other players like it. And they offered him a very decent amount to get him up there. But do, do, you, know, do you know what they did, though? Do you know what they did though? They like when he did his knee, they dropped him back to the rookie list. Yep, kept him on the rookie list. Yeah, but when he when he recovered and and had that string of games where he was dominating and we were winning, while him and Huey Greenwood were holding up the the um, yep. uh, the middle midfield, they didn't promote him off the rookie list. They just kept paying no. him that pittance. You know, I mean, it's because they can save the money. If you're going to treat your players like that, Nick. What do you think they're going to do? You know, I've been thinking about this during the week and there's it's been a hot topic on Big Footy, but we've lost blokes like Dangerfield and, and uh, McGovern and earlier on it was Gunston and, you know, we've lost Bock and Davis, Davis and all these people. 
who's getting all this money? How the hell are we meeting our our uh, TPP minimum of ninety five percent? We've not apparently got, we are. We've not got one star in our team, and apologies to Rory Sloan, but Rory Sloan is he's a Robin to someone's Batman, right? Yes. And when we had Danger, the combination of Danger and Sloan was extremely effective because they complemented each other. And Danger being a, a, a bulldog allowed Sloaney to be a little bit more on the outside. But we've turned Sloaney into a sea ball get ball type because we've got we haven't got enough class in, in tight. You know, so we don't have a star on our list at the moment. How the hell are we paying ninety five percent of T TPP? Who are we paying? You know, we just offloaded Bloody Jenkins who was on six hundred and fifty or whatever. Although we're still paying half his salary, you know, why are we still paying paying half a Betts' salary? I've got no idea. He was the one that wanted out. But I just don't understand. There's so many questions and things that don't make sense about the manner in which we've handled our list management and our salary cap um, and our club in general. You just start to wonder if anyone's got any idea what's going on down there. I don't think they do. They are, um, you know, they all they can see is their own reflection and they think that, that reflection looks fabulous. And, it's just ridiculous. And any reflection is always distorted. The yeah. way you see yourself in a mirror is not how everybody else sees you. Yeah. And I think that is so perfectly true with this particular board and those decisions that have been made and the way that they're trying to, I think they're trying to protect the the players, but it's you know what? Don't. And if they Kim don't Ryder, deserve it. If Kim Ryder's listening to this, and I know occasionally does listen, get on this show or get in, get out into the public domain, Kim, because you were member elected. You are a member elected representative on the board, and I'm I know that the board gagged you, and I know that the board censored you when you. Uh, were approached to talk about the camp stuff and all the rest of it. But neither Rue before him, Rod Jamison or Kim Ryder, who have all been member represent member elected representatives, have ever, ever addressed the members. Not one. You know, Jamison comes out and makes condescending remarks. So he's a member elected rep. You know, Kim Ryder is dead silent and doesn't answer tweets, doesn't answer messages, won't come on the show, won't go public in the media, is quite happy to sit down and talk to someone one-on-one because it's off the record. That's bloody soft. You're on the board. You're the member-elected representative on the board. If you can't engage with members, then what's the point in having that position? Yeah, it's it's a, a dead position. He was quite well, happy to come on this position. show. He was quite happy to come on the show, Nicky, when he wanted to get votes. Yeah, you know, quite happy to come on and say, you know, what he was going to bring and all the rest of it. I haven't heard diddly shit from him since. And this is no disrespect to Kim as an individual. I don't know him as an individual. This is a commentary on Kim as a member elected board representative. I have not heard from him since. We've had scandal after scandal, crisis after crisis. The, the members have uh, 
you know, participated in petitions. They've they've basically forced a review on the club. You know, they're they're uh, they the club, with their feet. Yeah, the, well, the club was forced to be deceptive with their um, with their membership options uh, to try not to lose too many people. Are not re-engaging with the club. Where's Kim Ryder? And and if it is because the board won't let him speak, why won't the board let Kim Ryder speak? Even if it's just to trot out the bloody same old rhetoric, why have we not seen Kim Ryder? He is the member-elected board representative. It's just, it's just a load of bullshit. This whole this whole setup of this club is just an absolute mirage. It's just a whitewash at the moment. It's a shadow of the club that I started following when they came into the competition in 1990. It's an absolute shadow of the club. Agree. Not even the same. Not even the same club. You know? Not at all. I mean, the, the game has changed. It has become more corporate. It has become more very like the US system with that player movement, etc. But the problem we've always had is that we try to do that balance with the romanticism of this idea of father-son and yeah. those kind of ideals. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't do both. You either are going to be fucking ruthless with a list and actually get players in that you need to get in, maybe overpay for some, but if they're in need, like Brandon Ellis up at the Suns, everybody's like, why? He's a two-time premiership player. Richmond is, you know, still a force to be reckoned with. Why would he leave? They made it attractive enough for him to leave and go up to the bloody Gold Coast. Of yeah. all places. But it's also Richmond making a hard decision on a premiership player as well. Yes. You know, it, it's about making a hard decision. Brandon, we love your work. You're always going to be a Tiger. You're a premiership player, all the rest of it. We don't think you're part of the next two or three years. If you want to extend your, your career, there's, you know, if, you, if there's an offer on the table, take it. You know, it's about making hard decisions, um, Nick, and it's about actually... Being what Phil Walsh said, being an authentic football club, there's not a shred of authenticity about the way the Crows are going about right. it at the moment. Not one shred. And, you know, we'll get back to the players in a minute. I, don't, I want to keep ranting on about this because we're going to have plenty of opportunities. And I really do want to try and keep the, the podcast as positive as possible uh, and focus on the, on the new kids that are coming up and all the rest of it. But... It's no wonder that the senior players are bought out. Like guys like Brody Smith hasn't been cited. I don't know what Brody's doing, but he he hasn't been cited. I wouldn't mind betting that Brody Smith tries to ask for a trade at the end of this season, because I think he's gone, and I think Brody Smith wants to play in a, in a premiership, and I think Brody Smith knows he's not going to do it with the Adelaide Football Club. No, I think he'll be out. Uh, I think there's a, a couple of others that will be out, and. If we're an authentic footy club, we'll say, okay, we'll let you go, you know. But rather than then go on Twitter and on on radio and bag them, let's just be adult about it and say, all right, well, that, the timing wasn't right. It, you know, the planet's didn't align. We've got to move on and we've got to we've got to rejig, you know. But the problem is that this situation should never have been created, should it, Nick? The blokes like Brody right. Smith and, and all that shouldn't feel so disengaged with the club that they want out. 
you know, Rory Laird, Paul Seedsman. What's happened to these people? You know, Luke Brown is a shadow of his former self. They're all trying, but they're not yeah. engaged. We said this last week. They're, they're not proactive. They're, they're running around chasing, but they're not actually figuring out how are we going to how are we going to make this team win? And the, I, I fear that the loss today against the Gold Coast Sun was was so demoralising because they could have won by another five or six goals quite easily, quite easily. Yes, there were players that just looked completely demoralised. And the, as I said last week, the the seniors are going to have to step up. To, to bring the, the juniors through. That's their role now, the seniors. And if they don't want to do it, they need to they need to consider their future. Anyway. Positivity. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there look, were a couple. There were a couple. I thought, um, well, before we get to the juniors, I, I will, and, you know, dudes probably is still a junior a bit, but I, I, felt, I, I felt Tommy, particularly after half-time, started to really participate a bit more and I, I felt like he, he had a little bit more confidence in his body. Um, we saw him, you know, drift over and marks. take one or two marks and I thought he, he looked like he was starting to get back into into uh, some semblance of confidence in his body. Yeah, that, that was really pleasing to see. I mean, you could kind of tell that last week the touch wasn't quite there. Yeah. The movement <clears throat> and his adjustments was, but the yeah. touch wasn't quite right. And, yeah, yeah. and you, we expected that to happen. So I kind of – he was a that, – that, that's okay. Um, but, yeah, this week, particularly after halftime, he was spot on. There were a couple of uh, – he did, I think, two intercept marks and yeah. another couple he kind of yeah. got his hands on it but didn't quite clunk him. But yeah. he got there and impacted the contest, which is what you want. That's right. 20 touches in the end. Um I think five rebound, oh, eight marks. Oh, hang on, what am I talking about? Um, eight marks, uh, five rebound, 50s. Um, <clears throat> went at 80%. Uh, did all right. Uh, Ten intercept possessions. So I, I felt as the game wore on, uh, Tommy started to pick up his um, confidence level, which was good to see. Um, the other the other one I still like in the back lines is Kelly. Well, I know a lot of they they okay the guy's got limitations yes he does but you know what he works up to them every single time well, he works I'm, up to his full extent that he can do i'm not a i'm not a huge fan of jake kelly in terms of a footballer but you can't drop a guy i, I said last week we need to prioritize blokes who actually want to be there and have bought in and we need to give them more opportunities than blokes that haven't. And Jake Kelly is one of those players that is bought in. He buys in every week. Completely. And he does. He does have limitations. Uh, he does. He's a bit infuriating with his ball movement at times. But I tell you what, anyone who gets poleaxed like he did and then lays the next tackle, um, you know, he does. He deserves as much. Uh, leeway as possible in terms of selection because there weren't many other blokes in the team that were prepared to do what he did in that little passage of play. Um, and I think after that little passage of play, there was a little bit of a lift. A little bit. From the other players. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. And that's what needed to be done, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, of the juniors, poor old Nettie looked completely out of whack. Second game in. Um, was second to the ball often. Um, 
could not get anything moving. I think he only had two handballs for the game. Um, yeah, he only had two, sea. but he did look a bit at sea, but at least he was bloody trying hard to create pressure and impact and chase, yep. and he wasn't giving up in that last quarter. No. Um, the commentators did pick, pick up on it that, you know what, he's after every, he's after every other opposition player. We could be 50 points down. He doesn't care. He still wants to win every single contest. And, yep, just you just keep him in there and you just let him build and let him succeed eventually because it's going to happen. Oh, look, there's no point in drafting a kid uh, with the pick that we drafted him with and then not having any trust in him. We've got to keep him in and we've got to give him opportunities. We cannot continue to treat these high draft pick players as if as if they were fringe. You know, we pick up these high draft pick uh, high pick players, they're the future of the club. You know, and it's the, the reason we're in the position we're at the moment is because we haven't given Jones and Gallucci and those types enough opportunities. So Ned's got to stay in. Ned's got to continue to play in position. And I would think that in order for Ned, in order for us to get value out of Ned McHenry, we need to drop Lockie Murphy because there's no room for two. Yeah. And Lockie Murphy, I've said it for as long as I can remember, he's the best at looking as busy as possible without getting any results. No one will ever question Lockie Murphy's endeavour. But unfortunately... And why the hell are we playing him at full forward? Well, we just don't get the output from him. And if we if we need a player to play in his role and rotate through full forward, then he's not the guy. No. You know, our, our, forward, line, our forward line has been starved of opportunities, so we can't be critical. But it's time for Tom Lynch to make way for Ben Davis. And I think yes. it's time that we put um, Shane McAdam in for Lockie Murphy. I don't think... <gasps> yes, please. I don't think we need... Murphy in the team because he gives us nothing, right? He get, we've got we've got uh, Crocker there who can apply a little bit of pressure up forward and be a bit of a physical presence. We've got Fogarty up forward who can do the same. We don't need Lockie Murphy, particularly if his role includes getting balls bombed on his head. The problem with Lockie is he, he's, he's a small bloke playing like a big bloke, and we don't need that. We need a big bloke playing like a big bloke. And a small bloke playing like a small bloke. So Nettie stays in for mine. Lockie goes out. Uh, uh, good honest McAdamy. player, Lockie. But I think, but I think he's, uh, I think he's fringe. Um, yeah. You know, Ficker, uh, Fisher Mackesy. Uh, oh, it was looking pretty rugged for Fish early. It um, was, oh. but for, for me, he was pushing him out wide. Yeah, he was I, actually forcing him. He wasn't giving him the corridor. So. We, he was doing as a defender. If if you have to give up a mark, you give up the mark on the boundary line yeah, over there. Yeah, but it was looking pretty it's, rugged. It Nick. still wasn't <laughs> good. But I, I feared he for kept Prod. at it. Yeah, he did, and he he did. That's exactly right. And um, and he started to beat him. You know, he did beat him to a he few contests. I think he played him a little bit differently. I think Tommy Dudo was giving him some tips, which was great. Um, yeah. You know, and after and look, to be honest with you, Gold Coast had so much of the ball in the first half that, you know, it's a forward's dream, especially if you're built like Ben Ben King. You know, it's a defender's nightmare. So, um, oh, yeah. look, he did persevere, um, and we uh, he's another one. He's a number one draft pick last year. We, we just play him. Just play him, you know, and he, he'll learn every week. And we this is where... that's this, what they're doing. Yeah, and the, but this is where the senior blokes... 
blokes like Talia, um, who I don't see spending a lot of time talking to Fisher Mackesy, and Tommy Dude, which who I did see spending a bit of time talking to uh, Fish today, they need to get, get around the kid. Get around the kid because I, they need to keep his head up while he's learning. I mean, Talia does. Talia is very much mentoring, but I think in this particular game, the Suns, once again, really clever coaching, were making sure that Day was always well up the ground and Talia had to be on him. He couldn't drop back and help. He couldn't drop back and give advice. So they actually took away his little his security but blanket. Surely, you know, surely Day a was way. a better... And surely, Talia's not a good up-the-ground player. No, but surely so Day a, was a better... Surely Day was a better match-up for Maxi anyway. I think so. I, I would have had Tiles on, on but King, King but King's too fast for King's too fast for Talia. Yeah, but you're gonna like you're gonna Talia's gonna break even one on one. You know, you might get him on the lead, but he was getting fish on the lead anyway. So what difference does it make when when you got a forward getting getting out on the lead like that? It's not the defender that that needs to do the work. It's the third man. No, it's the interceptor that yeah. needs to read that. So I, I personally, I would have had Tars on King um, and had Maxi playing up the ground on Day. Uh, Day didn't have a lot of influence on the game whatsoever. But, you know, maybe they're just saying, look, Fish, you're the future and you're going to take the best forward every week. Um, who knows? So, um, But he, he'll get better. He's, he's, a, he's a good player. Uh, Chase, I thought, flashed in and out of the game. Um, did okay when he was given some opportunities in the midfield. Um, as the game wore yeah, on, started to get a little bit more assertive with his work in the midfield, which was good. Got caught a couple of times, but I actually enjoyed the fact that he was trying to break tackles and pro- trying to break free rather than yes. giving those hot potato little gives that the other two crouches give. Um, and he did and he did that a couple of times. Yep. And he actually did manage to break the tackles and then he might eventually get caught because yep. he had nothing else to give it to. Yep. Yep. So um, I, I didn't mind uh, Chase going, and he's another one. I think you know we picked him as a as a uh, um, a midfielder. We need to play him, play him first rotation every week. Chase Jones first rotation midfield. You know, um, just he, he offers something. You know, and I there were so many raps on him. I mean, I didn't know a lot about Chase before he came to the club, but there were so many raps on him and his ability to get. A, like to explode out of congestion, not dissimilar to a Patrick. Um, but we haven't given him the opportunity, so we need to see him. To do that, yeah. Uh, Will Hamill, you I see, thought... Sorry, go on. No, just on Jones, you, I've seen him do that a couple of... He's, in the, he's done that a little bit in the SNFL, in the so twos. he can do it. Yeah. Yeah, in the twos. But when he's got McHenry next to him, yeah. you know what? Why won't they actually bloody put McHenry in the centre with Rob because they actually know how to rove to Rob's tap because they've played with him for how many games in the SANFL? Well, they could they could do worse, Nick, than what they're currently serving up. Uh, I don't want yep. to see Seisman in the middle anymore. He, he's not... He's... I mean, we were using him to tag on Rao. <sighs> yeah, that because didn't really we didn't work. need any outside run. Bloody Paul Seisman isn't a freaking tagger, for God's sake. Um, Will Hamill, I thought, had a good debut. Um, yes. Didn't do a huge amount, but what he did do, I thought he, he showed intent to actually um, to try and be aggressive with his ball movement, to play on. Um, a couple of times he probably overdid it, but you're never going to bag a kid for, 
for trying to be proactive and backing himself in. And I thought he looked like someone who could really hold down a running halfback position in the future. Uh, definitely. And what I also liked was not not only was he doing that, trying to break and create the run, and he's doing it straight away, which makes your forwards actually move because, well, oh, shit, the ball needs to come and I actually need to do something. Also he's also got a really of, good defensive out of position. Only about that. Yeah, it's the whole but, point. But a lot of it, that work of him actually getting the ball was a good defensive yeah. action. Yeah. No, I, I didn't mind his work. Uh, Benny Crocker flashed in and out of it. He's probably going to have to produce a little bit more um, in order to stave off um, the couple of mid-forwards that we've got in the twos, I think. Um, Benny Keyes wasn't overly impressed, even though he kicked a goal. Um, I thought he, Benny Keyes is a trier. I just don't think he's got a place in our midfield. No, um, unfortunately. You know, I, I think th- he's I think... very good depth, but yes. I don't. I, but I. But what we need is a little bit of silk and a little bit of finesse and a little bit of speed, and Ben doesn't bring that to the table. So I think he's very much back up to the Crouch boys. That's my opinion. And at the moment, I'd actually prefer him in there instead of the Crouch boys. Well, you know, you're not going to miss out on anything. As I mentioned before, we had some. Uh, we had some. Um, uh, possession winners that didn't really have a lot of influence on the game. <clears throat> so so those juniors, I didn't think that they were terrible. I thought Riley O'Brien battled hard, um, certainly didn't have the dominance around the ground that he did the week before, but still showed a willingness to work hard and to uh, push, push back very deep in order to uh, help out. Uh, in defence, um, and often is the one to recover first. You know, you'll see yes. Rob go out for a mark, and then he's he's uh, he's on the deck recovering. So you know, he's certainly bought in, uh, and you can never. Yeah, there's question. a there's a lot of uh, players who, when they get knocked to the ground, lie there for a while. Yeah, think about yeah. it. Yeah, uh, we've got a we've got half a team of ball watchers, half a team of, of flat footed ball watchers. They're not proactive. I was going to say flat footed. They don't. They don't bounce up. They don't. They don't remain engaged in the game. They they're too easily knocked off the ball and knocked out of the play. So always got to be moving. You don't so, stand still. You know. So it's a bit of a dilemma for Knicks because if you have a whole team of rookies, you are throwing lambs to the slaughter. So he has yeah. to be a little bit careful about how he manipulates this team. But I would imagine that. Um, that having, as I said before, having given them the mandate to uh, atone, um, and they really didn't atone uh, no. at all. Um, you know, one of the two Crouch boys, and I and I'm leaning towards Matt at the moment. One of the two Crouch boys needs to have a sit down. I believe. Um, I think Tommy Lynch needs to have a sit down. Agree. And I think Taylor Walker needs to have a sit down. Uh, maybe for good, Taylor Walker needs to have a sit down, um, and we need to bring in a couple more youngsters. I, I think we need to see what Ben Davis and Shane McAdam can offer up forward. So Lockie Murphy probably needs to uh, have a rest. And, on, and then I, there's Himmelberg and Frampton. Well, you know, maybe it's time with our young tools. Maybe it's time we actually carry a tool on the bench, Nick. Yeah, um, you know, just carry, carry that tool. 
to do the backup for Rob. Yeah. But and to also sometimes occasionally and to change a different mix up forward. Yeah. And you and I are both actual quite big fans of Hemmelberg in terms of his ability to create yeah. space. Yeah. But look, he he might, could, okay, so his training track might not be good, but just bloody put him in the team and give him a go. Well, you know, that's what we've got to do. He's a big lad and um, he needs time. And I, I think a few people have been put off because uh, he misses a lot of marks. But I, again, if you're going to have the kid on your list, you may as well play him. You may as well at least see what he can give you. Give him four or five games. Um, you know, uh, I also think that we need to get young Scholl into the team. I'd love to see. Yeah. I'd love to see Gallucci back in the team if he's uh, with it mentally um, to see what he can bring. Miles um, Paholki is another one, but we can't bring all these kids in. So the only the, the two out of the midfield that I would take out of the rotation at the moment is Seedsman and Matt Crouch. So I've got some room there. You know, and we're uh, probably going to have Atkins out for a while. And Atkins so that actually does open up. That opens up a spot on the wing. Exactly where right. Where we could play Shoal. Yep, exactly right. So, you know, I, th- I think Nick's has given him time or given him the opportunity and now I think he needs to swing the axe. And if we don't see the axe swung after that performance, then I think we can be pretty certain that this is going to be a very, very long and arduous rebuild that will probably take longer than the tenure of one or two people at the Adelaide Crows, maybe including the coach. Yeah, <clears> unfortunately. <throat> and and I think if, if we don't see the axe be swung, it could also be that I would look at it as people above the coach are interfering. Well, that's a possibility as well. Uh, it's a possibility. Um, you know, we've suspected, haven't we, Nick? Yes, that our coaches have never been fully embraced and supported. Mm. And so, that's the problem. Yes. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But uh, I'm very keen to see what Nick's does next week. Um, of course, who we got next week? We've got... Um, Brisbane. Brisbane, uh, which is going to be a massive <laughs> challenge. Uh, a uh, massive it's going to be a massacre. Well, on, on current form, absolutely, it's going to be a massacre. Um, you fail to see how you can you can fail to see how we win that game. Let alone get close. Nope. <laughs> it's going to be another painful watch. Yeah. So, look, um, the other thing that we need to quickly talk about is uh, what's happening with Essendon um, and Connor. Yes. Connor McKenna testing positive. Um, footage come out today showing that he'd had a fair amount of contact with his teammates. So to me, that means that Essendon sit out for two weeks, which is going to be very challenging for the AFL. Um, yeah, I mean, they've done the I mean, it's the right thing straight away, but the, the problem is that, yes, there's all those contacts within the club and how long it will actually those symptoms will take to show up because we've seen that there's this for, the 14-day quarantine of what we know as a standard, but we've seen around the world yeah, that they've a, actually traced it back to the contact. It can come up much later than that. Yeah, it's a bit arbitrary, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Frio are up on port, by the way. 
Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, so that's going to be very interesting. Obviously, today's match was postponed, so they're going to have to slot that in at some stage. Obviously, Carlton play. I think it's Carlton was scheduled to play Essendon next week. Uh, so that yes. you know you you're starting to see the knock-on effect not only on Essendon but also teams that were scheduled to play against Essendon. Melbourne um, are apparently fairly ropeable, but they can't do anything about it. No, well, and, you know, eyes open, everyone knew there was a strong possibility with 700-odd players, there's a strong possibility that this is going to happen. You know, ironically... The smartest, ironically, the smartest came, thing actually would have been for them to take all those Victorian teams out of Victoria. Well, to be honest with you, Nikki, the smartest thing would have been for Conor McGregor not to go back to Ireland. Because, he went back to Ireland? Well, he went back to visit family and then he came back and he went through oh. the protocols and all the rest of it. And then, uh, and then after I think it was a week or or something, uh, he tested positive. So, you know, we've Ireland, seen Ireland. Ireland is not good. <laughs> no, we've seen in Australia that the majority of the new cases are, are from inbound um, uh, traffic from overseas. Yes, and uh, they and they all tend to are coming back through Melbourne because that's the only airport that you can actually um, take your pets back to. So people who are moving back permanently, bringing their pets, they yeah. can only go to Melbourne. And apologies, I meant it was McKenna, always gonna, not McGregor. Yeah, um, and that's the problem with leaving those teams in Victoria with the number of cases they've been having, the fact that they had community transmission and they haven't been able to get it under control. The AFL should have taken off their VFL blinkers and actually created the hubs in Western Australia, South Australia, Northern Territory and Queensland. Yeah. And but they can't get past the whole thing of we're the home of football. No, that's, that's right. It, it made perfect sense. And not on, not only from the point of view of, of um, you know uh, eliminating or minimising the the risk, but also we've got crowds in Queensland now. We've got crowds in Adelaide last week. We'd have crowds in WA. They could have had people at the football, you know. Instead, we've got these bloody these completely sterile games in in at Marvel and Alphabet and MCG etc. You know, it, it's complete nepotism by the uh, by the Vicks, as usual. And yeah, and it was the Victorian players going, "Oh, oh, it's going to be too hard. We don't want to leave our families." Yeah, how ridiculous! But it's okay for the WA and the SA teams to do that. Yeah, so I think there's a bit to play out on this one because I think it's a bit of a watching brief for the AFL at the moment, and obviously they're going to have to decide to do what to do with Essendon, um, what they're going to do in regards to testing those players that he came into contact with. Um, they've, tested, they've tested the whole club, so that has happened. Yeah. Um, and then they've also they've supplied – so it's actually the Victorian Department of Health that's taken over. Right. So everybody's been tested. Um, they've done a deep clean um, of the club. They've checked the vision as well yep. and showed them – and because they've done a lot of tracking of all their players and their movements, so they've been tracking um, – who he's come in contact with, not just the players, but also the staff, which rooms in particular he was in. Yeah. Uh, so they've done all of that and now they're actually having to start to do the community contract tracing for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, at this stage they're saying that it was actually contracted once he returned to Australia. That That's that's what they think, even though uh, to me it seems highly coincidental that he came from overseas. But if, and if Ireland. It, if Ireland is, has not been good. No, if it is community transmission, though, that means that Connor's basically broken protocol because there's no way 
that he should have contracted the virus via community transmission if he was following protocols, as far as I can see. Precisely. Because he's supposed to be in quarantine for 14 days when he came back. Um, and he'd only been out of quarantine, I think, a week. But often what that means by your quarantine, but other people in your house can come and go. So they could have brought it in. Yeah, but surely, under those circumstances, surely the VFL or the AFL um, would have mandated that Connor at least isolate uh, separate from those types of people. I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) Interesting times ahead. Interesting times ahead. you've You've had players who need to go and visit a party. Yeah, I know, because it's very important. Anyway... I think, uh, Nikki, that we've done pretty well. We haven't... uh, We've done enough. (laughs) We've done enough. Uh, We've done more than they did. Anyway... I kind of think that was going to happen. But I thought there were going to be at least some little sparkles, but no. Yeah, I agree. Not really. I agree. Look, thank you to everyone who has joined us on Discord. Uh, It's been an interesting chat as always. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on Facebook and and YouTube and also on Twitch. Uh, We really appreciate your support on a Sunday night. Um, uh, You know, spread uh, the weekend wrap word around your mates, your crows uh, loving mates um, and uh, we'll keep continuing to grow the, the listenership on a Sunday night um, don't forget you can support us on Patreon uh, patreon.com forward slash aflcrowcast you can also hit the Patreon or PayPal donate buttons on aflcrowcast.com um, I forgot to actually put the Discord chat up during the game this week but not, I think it would have made much difference but uh, you know, if you feel so inclined, download the Discord app and uh, get involved on the Crowcast uh, channel on Discord. And uh, that's it, Nick, I reckon. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. <laughs> as, I, as, I, as I said in the chat, I love you, bunch of um, masochists. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thanks, everyone, and we will see you next Sunday at 7 with hopefully some better news. <laughs> Good night. Yeah, night all. And find something fun and amusing to watch now because we need it.